Hi, I'm Scott Hervey from Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Josh Escovito from Weintraub Tobin. Welcome to another installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Scott, over the past few weeks, there have been a number of news articles and stories about police officers playing popular copyrighted music during citizen-officer interaction that is being filmed by the citizens. That's right, Josh. Uh, Vice reported on a Beverly Hills police officer breaking out his phone and playing over a minute of Sublime's Santeria when the officer uh, discovered that his interaction with a well-known LA area activist was being live streamed by the citizen via Instagram. Similarly, Mashable reported on an Alameda County Sheriff's deputy playing a Taylor Swift song during an encounter. That's interesting. Why do you think that's happening? Well, there seems to be this belief that when the police officer pairs their civil service with a musical interlude, that the music will prevent a recording of the interaction from being posted on social media due to algorithms which detect and remove videos incorporated copyrighted music, among other types of content. Right. Apparently, the Alameda County Sheriff's deputy openly admitted that he was playing the music so that the video, quote, couldn't be posted to YouTube. The Mashable article laments that because of YouTube's convoluted copyright policies, actions like this may prevent vital police encounter videos from spreading. Yeah, I read that, too. I I think that might be that portion of the article might be a little bit overblown, Josh. Uh, YouTube's system for detecting and managing copyrighted content is called Content ID. Copyright owners load their content into the Content ID system. The system then creates a digital fingerprint for each piece of content, and then the system searches all of the videos within YouTube and new videos that are loaded into YouTube for a match. If a match is found, the copyright owner is notified and collect and can elect to either block the video, thus making it unavailable for viewing, or monetize the video by adding advertisements with the ad revenue going to the copyright owner. While this election can be done on a case-by-case basis, the content ID system allows copyright owners to set default elections and the content ID system will just do the rest automatically. If the content ID system blocks a video, The owner of that video has the opportunity to address the block by either requesting the copyright owner to retract the block, or the video owner can submit a challenge to the block via the content ID system. If the copyright owner has content ID operating via a default block setting, the retraction request or the challenge by the video owner will require a manual interaction. In both instances, the video owner will have an opportunity to explain why the video is not infringing the rights of the copyright holder. And thus the copyright holder will have the opportunity to review those reasons. If if the block is challenged, the system will notify the copyright holder who must then either reinstate the block or release the video. If the block is reinstated, the the video owner is notified and can reinstate its challenge to the block. At that point, uh, when the challenge is reinstated, the copyright owner must then either release the video or issue a takedown under the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. 
The DMCA is a 1998 amendment to the Copyright Act, which provided online service providers with a statutory exemption from direct and indirect copyright infringement liability in exchange for following certain rules and processes for, de for dealing with claims of online copyright infringement. If a takedown is issued under the DMCA, the video owner may submit a counter notice. If that counter notice complies with the requirements of the DMCA, the service provider, in our example, YouTube, must replace the video by no later than 14 days unless the copyright holder has filed a lawsuit against the video owner. That's right. The filing of a counter notice under the DMCA, though, is, is not to be taken lightly as it requires the video owner to declare under penalty of perjury that he or she has a good faith belief that its video was wrongfully removed. This Good faith belief would include a belief that the display or performance of the copyrighted material in the video was covered under fair use. It seems doubtful that the record label, which owns the copyright, would insist on taking these videos down. But let's go through a hypothetical exercise. So would the inclusion of the Taylor Swift or Sublime songs that were referenced in the Mashable article, uh, would that constitute fair use? Under the Copyright Act, fair use is determined by looking at four factors. First, the purpose and character of the use. Second, the nature of the copyrighted work. Third, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole. And fourth, the effect of the use upon the potential market for or value of the copyrighted work. The Copyright Act specifies certain categories of use that generally qualify as fair use. This includes use for news reporting purposes. And these videos are very likely, they very likely qualify as news reporting, but they still would need to satisfy the fair use factors. The purpose of the first fair use factor, a review of the purpose and character of the use, is to see whether the new work merely supersedes the uh, original creation, the original work, or instead add something new with a further purpose or different character, alter the, altering the first with a new expression, meaning, or message. It asks, in other words, whether and to what extent this new work is transformative. And generally, the determination that a work is transformative is entitled to a substantial weight in determining fair use. Here, it seems fairly clear that the inclusion of the copyrighted songs in these police citizen interaction videos is transformative. The purpose is not to recreate the copyrighted song, but rather to document and report on a citizen police interaction for the purpose of holding the police actions up to public scrutiny, whether that be for good behavior or for bad. And in the set of principles on fair use for journalism and in the documentary filmmakers best practices for fair use both identify the incorporation of copyrighted material captured incidentally and fortuitously in the process of recording and disseminating news or recording something else as um, constituting fair use for journalists the material captured incidentally in the course of reporting on specific events and activities is really an inseparable part of the reality the journalist seeks to portray. Excluding or drastically curtailing the amount of such material contained in the reporting would compromise the truth-telling mission of the journalist. And for documentary filmmakers, the incidentally captured material is an integral part 
of the ordinary reality being documented. What if these police officers played a recording of their own original music? How do you think that situation will play out? Well, I think the outcome for the citizen would most likely be the same, but the police officer could be in a worse position if that officer issued a takedown in such a situation. You're thinking about Lens versus Universal Music Group, the Dancing Baby case. Right. Under that case, the Ninth Circuit said that when issuing a takedown notice under the DMCA, the copyright holder must consider fair use. Not to do so would subject the copyright holder to potential liability for damages under Section 512F. And while the fair use analysis does not need to be intensive and the court and lens seem to be willing to give deference to the results of the copyright holder's analysis, the court warned, however, that a copyright holder who pays lip service to the consideration of fair use by claiming it formed a good faith belief when there's evidence to the contrary would still be subject to liability under Section 512F. That's interesting, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the new installment of the briefing by the IP Law Blog. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast. And for additional content, visit our blog at theiplawblog.com. Thank you. <laughs>